morning working through uh, the book of Colossians, this letter that Paul has written to the church in Colossae. And if you've got a Bible, you can turn it to Colossians 1, and we're looking from chapter 15, uh, from verse 15 to 20. But before we start, I'm going to ask my friend Josh to come and read to us this morning. Josh, and he's going to come and read to us before we start. He's got something to read. Excellent. Right. I might need the microphone for this one. I'll tell you what. Okay, go for it. The logic and combining of bowlers are wall-mounted, fully sequenced, automatics, spark ignition, low water content, fan flu, high efficiency condenser, <laughs> gas boilers. Um, the boiler is supplied fully assembled with DHW plate heat exchanger, diverse value, circulating pump. Pressure guard, uh, safety value, and CH expansion vessel. Brilliant, that'll do. Excellent, excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. That's brilliant. Can I have that back? I need that. Josh? Thank you. Excellent. I need that. I hope that stirred you. Do you know, it's important to read the Bible properly. That is a copy of the installation manual for my boiler at home. But do you know, that's sometimes how we can read the Bible. We can read it like it's some manual for some household appliance. And we forget that it's the Word of God. So, as we read this passage this morning, we really need to read it properly. God's word to us. It's not some boring instruction manual for us. Some have even suggested that the passage we're looking at this morning is uh, even an early hymn that the church would have sung to one another. But that's just speculation. We can't say that's right. But that's the type of passage as it is. So I'm going to read it this morning. The words will be on the screen if you haven't got a Bible here this morning. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I've got enough notes on that to keep us going until five o'clock tonight. Isn't it amazing? But we're really not, so I promise we'll be finished by the prayer meeting, don't worry. 
<laughs> let's, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one we read about in Colossians. That you are all those things. And we exalt you and we love you and we say we're yours. We are so grateful that we belong to you. So we ask, would you be with us by the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage, as we hear you, Lord, I pray help me, fill me with your spirit this morning as I preach these verses. Help us to hear you and Lord that we might leave changed from encountering you this morning, Jesus. Amen. See, we need to understand the background to Colossians before we look at these passages. Uh, There were lots of people, as Raj gave us that introduction a few weeks ago to Colossians, lots of people wanting to add stuff to the Christian life in Colossians. They were adding stuff like angel worship. It's about angel worship. You need to worship angels. It's about special religious days where you do special religious things. And that's how to get ahead in the Christian life. What Paul's saying here in this part of Colossians is, no, you just need Jesus. And he puts forth how amazing Christ is. See, for Paul, thinking right is good. In the previous passage, he was saying things like, you know, I pray, I want you to have spiritual wisdom. I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. I want you to grow in understanding. See, thinking right is good for Paul. Does anyone remember Raj's, and this will test you, won't it, Raj's last point when he spoke a few weeks ago introducing Colossians to us? Do you remember Raj's last final point? Can Raj remember? (laughs) Raj can't answer. Excellent. I think I think it's just because you're all too shy. Worship. That might have been his final point. Okay, what was his penultimate point? <laughs> that could have been one of his points. It could have been his final point. Ah, oh, Naveen! Well done! Excellent. Excellent. But I think... But I think worship was in there as well, and I think someone else shouted out something about mission as well, and I think that was certainly in there. Theology matters. What we think about God, what we understand about God and who he is, matters. And it matters for many reasons, but I'm going to explain two. It matters for these two reasons. Theology should lead us to worship. It should lead us to love and adore God more. And the second point is this. If we, Jubilee, want to do great things on Teesside, if we want to see Teesside changed, if we want to see nations changed, we need to have a vision of being Christ, of Christ in all his forms and who he is. So I've got, uh, well, I've got four points this morning, but I've only put three on the overhead, so uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we do Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. Jesus is the 
head of the church and through Jesus God is reconciling all things so point number one Jesus is God this passage starts off he is the image of the invisible God see we mustn't confuse the idea of image that the way we use the word when we use the word image we suggest uh, a copy of the original uh, however not the original if we do a photocopy we might say we've got an image of what we photocopied or if we are going to look like a certain celebrity like Justin Bieber or whoever else is called uh, way past cool um, <laughs> Tom Jones Elvis. If we want to try and be like a celebrity, we try and copy their image, don't we? We want to be and look like them. Some people say, isn't he in the image of his dad? It's just in she's she's in the image of her mum, don't they? Don't mean they are them, they mean they look a bit like them, they share a few of their genes. But that's not the word Paul uses here. The word Paul uses here to translate image is different. It suggests exact representation of the original. See, I might just look a bit like my dad, but I am not him. I just look a bit like him. Nothing of God is lacking in the person of his son. See, when Christ is referred to as the image of God, all the emphasis is on the equality with the image of the original. See, we see this as well in in the rest of the Bible. We see it saying in Hebrews 1, verse 3, He, that's Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And then uh, Jesus himself says in John 14, "Do Do you not believe that I'm in the Father? And the Father is in me. See, the Bible is very clear that God and God alone should be worshipped. So when we get guys like John the Baptist turning up on the scene, and people say, are you the one? Are you the one? And he says, no, I'm not the one. Don't worship me. But I point to the one. But when Jesus turns up on the scene, and when his followers worship him, he welcomes it. He doesn't stop it, he welcomes it because it's God. And then he also says again in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Not just like I'm just like you and I can help you see God. He's not saying that, he's saying rather, because I'm God, if you've encountered me, you've encountered the Father. So Paul makes this statement here Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And we need to understand this is Paul making this statement. Paul, who persecuted Christians. I love that passage that uh, Mike read out this morning from Philippians. Paul saying, do you know, I was, do you know, I thought I knew what was right. Everything I counted good and everything I put my trust in, I now count as a loss. Compared knowing Jesus. That's what Mike went out So this is the guy who persecuted Christians. In fact, he was on his way to Damascus to go and persecute 
some more Christians and put them in prison. And what happens? He encounters Jesus. He's changed by that encounter with Jesus. And now he's proclaiming, Jesus is God. So it's true for Paul, and it's true for us. We have encountered God in the person of his son, Jesus. Yeah? God's getting hold of Paul and him meeting Jesus and him being powerfully changed. Well, that's what God's done for us too. And if you are a Christian here this morning, God is not far off. He is not distant. He doesn't hold you at arm's length. No, he has drawn you very close in the person of Jesus. And it's this Jesus that we hold out to our friends. It's this Jesus that we hold out to our neighbours. If you're not a Christian here this morning, it's this Jesus that we are talking about this morning and worshipping. If you're perhaps from a Muslim background this morning, perhaps not a Christian, you might find this offensive. You might have lots of questions, but we want to encourage you to encounter this Jesus. This would be the Jesus we want you to come and know. And then Paul goes on to say he's the firstborn over all creation. So you might say, okay, well, if Jesus is God, then what does that mean? Because God was never born, was he? That's true. Jesus, when Jesus says God, uh, when God, when Paul says Jesus is the firstborn of creation, he's not saying that Jesus was created in creation. Not that he's created, but he's the most important thing that was created. No, Jesus has no beginning and no end. See, firstborn refers to the first child of the family. but not in the sense uh, that we see it here. Actually here, it refers to Jesus' uniqueness. And that's certainly how it's used in other parts of the Bible. So, in Exodus 4.22, Israel, the nation, is referred to as God's firstborn. This is what it says. This is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. See, there weren't other nations that were God's. They weren't the first nation that were gods. It was just Israel alone. It refers to their uniqueness. Speaking of their priority in God's heart. And we see in Psalm 89, where uh, God says to the king, to David, I will also appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. See, David wasn't the first human. He wasn't even the first king, actually. But it's speaking of David's uniqueness. David's special, uh, God's special love for David. And the same is here. It's talking about Jesus' rank, supreme over all creation. Which brings me on to my second point. Not that he was created... But actually, he stands 
outside of creation completely. He is the creator of all things. It says this, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Paul says, by him, all things were created. See, some people at the time would have thought that the physical world was evil. The physical was evil and the spiritual was good. Things physical were bad, I needed to avoid them or not really care about them, and spiritual things were good. But that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, no, God's creation is good. So let's look at some of God's creation to have a look at this. Can you put the first slide up, Sandra? This is Galaxy NGC 1073. I'm sure you all knew that. This is quite a long way away, 55 million light years away. It's quite far. This is, this is a, a picture from the Hubble telescope, taken just this week actually, it was in the news. Uh, and it's a galaxy very similar to our galaxy, to our Milky Way. Milky Way. But it has a lots of similarities to our galaxy. So this is the clearest picture of that galaxy. It's amazing, isn't it? And do you know, Jesus, creator. Okay, let's have the next slide, Sandra. This is where I get into lots of uh, scientific bother because I'm not very scientific. But this is some DNA, or a picture of some DNA. Now, DNA carries your genetic information. It's you. It's part of you. So think, galaxies far off, millions of miles away. Jesus, creator. Me, here on earth. Jesus, creator. Each cell in your body contains DNA. You could fit... 25,000 strands of DNA into the single width of a hair. Absolutely amazing. And Jesus created us. See, we live in a time where actually the world will tell us, do you know there's no order to things? There's no purpose. It's foolishness to think that there's a creator popular thing to think, certainly in the Western society that we live in, is that things just happened. Things just occurred. An accident of chemicals. That's how we got here today, and there is certainly no God. See, my my thinking and my uh, processing of arguments isn't greatly developed in this matter, but in terms of creation... Some people want to start from a position of erasing God. 
and will find any theory that will do that. So purest evolution, oh that does that, that's attractive because it gets rid of God for me. See sometimes in this society we think, of course we used to believe in God hundreds of years ago, but now we have science and we have no need for God. Well do you know, even when the Psalms were written, people were ditching God. It says this in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. See, it's not a new thing to say there is no God. Just because we have science, we don't need God. Now, I'm not going to go into asking you about how, what you believe, the process, how the world came into being. If you want to, we haven't got time, but you can download Paul's talk from last year uh, on uh, creation and evolution, which is excellent. But do you know this one thing? Jesus created it. We're not an accident. We're not slaves to circumstance. They're out of our control. Jesus did it. There is a creator. His name is Jesus. He rules over it. See, then Paul then expands what he means by created all things just so that we get the point, just so we understand. All things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. See, in a place like Colossae, where there was worship of angels, where there was strange teaching about spiritual forces that were out of anyone's control, Paul is setting out who is in supreme charge, Jesus Christ. And even in our day, people can get caught up, can't they, with certain spiritualism stuff, tarot cards, horoscopes, people claiming to talk to the dead, the occult. You know, sometimes we can even feel threatened by this stuff. He's Jesus. Yes! Yes is the answer. Jesus is more powerful than that stuff. No, angels are more powerful than him and no demonic forces are more powerful than him. Those things are under the ultimate lordship of Jesus. Can the church stand up to those things? Yes! Yes, it can. But only because we're in Jesus. He's alive today and in charge of creation. So what difficulties are you facing right now? Maybe it's just difficulties from living in this world. Financial, relational. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your status in this country. Maybe there's just a sense of feeling, do you know, there are demonic forces having a go at it right now. You know, he rules over it all. Sometimes we can think, just things are too hard. I should just give in, throw in the towel. You know, Jesus wants you to know this morning, he rules over everything. And everything that is going on in your life. 
And do you know what? As we were singing this morning, you belong to him. My third point, which won't appear on the screen, because I've got to put it on my PowerPoint, was this. He is the head of the body, the church. So you might be thinking, Jesus is God. Jesus has created all we see. Isn't it amazing? Galaxies, DNA, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely amazing. All things hold together in Jesus. And then we're told, he's the head of the church. So exciting as all those other things. He has to put up with a bunch of humans that constantly get it wrong and uh, put their foot in it uh, and need rescuing and need sorting out. It's kind of like, think of it this way, Tony Mowbray, manager of Middlesbrough, takes on Middlesbrough Football Club. It's exciting. I get to be at the Riverside Stadium. I get to see all these football teams come and play and uh, it's a fanfare and it's great. And then at the same time, he's asked to look after a little Sunday league team down the road, a bunch of amateurs, playing on a cold Sunday morning. And uh, he would be thinking, I want to be over here at the riverside where it's great and amazing. Not over here, standing on the sideline of this Sunday league little town team. That didn't happen, by the way. That's a bit of my imagination. Would it be like that? Jesus creates galaxies, stars, universes. Ah, oh, I've got to look after church as well. I've got to look after these people as well. Do you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Turn to the person next to you, because Jody hates this, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, and say nothing could be further from the truth. Very good. Did you do it, Jody? You did it. Excellent. Well done. The church is Jesus' passion. He loves it. Listen to this from Ephesians 3. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So he chooses to display his wisdom, not primarily through the wonders of the universe, although he does. Not through galaxies and mountains and oceans, although he does. But rather through the church, through communities of people that love him and that worship him. It's amazing. God chooses you to display his glory and his purposes. So people often worry about their personal calling, don't they? What's my personal calling? I'm not sure what it is. God, tell me what it is for me. Do you know, yes, we do all have personal callings, but God has a plan for our lives together. It's to be part of a community of people who bring attention to God and love him and let the world see how good he is. See, he loves the church. Husbands, we're even told to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, moving on. 
final point. He is reconciling all things. God is reconciling all things through Jesus. Reconciliation is God on God's agenda. More than that, it is God's plan. See, reconciliation is about two sides that have fallen out, getting back together and sorting out their differences. It's a bit like this, young people. If one direction fall out, sorry, when one direction, the band, fall out, because all bands fall out and have arguments and split up, when they do, and then five years after that, they decide to get back together, they will be reconciled to one another, they'll be restored to one another, they'll have put aside their differences and be reconciled to one another, maybe. <laughs> it's very pessimistic, I think. <laughs> Not just about money, I'm sure. How about in South Africa? After years of apartheid, the authorities set up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in order to hear some of the stories that had gone on during apartheid, to bring truth to the fore, to see what had happened in that nation where black and white were separated. And where there was awful injustice they set up this Truth and Reconciliation Commission, really to reconcile the nation to one another because of all that had happened. And I'm sure there were some successes, and I'm sure there were some failures in that. So who is God reconciling to himself? Well, firstly, it's humans like you and me. He's restoring us to him. And the Bible says we've turned our backs on him. We'd prefer to live without him. We'd prefer to go our own way. We've offended him. We're the offenders and he's the offended one. Yet, it's the offended one that makes the first move. He comes to reconcile us to him. But then it's not just humans, as we read in this. It's all creation. It's everything on earth and heaven. See, we live in a world, don't we, that's been marred by human sin. And we do our best to take care of it and to steward it properly. But there'll be one day in the future when he puts it right. We don't really get that. We don't fully understand that. But we know that is what God is doing. That's part of his reconciling work. So how is he reconciling all things to himself? What we read in this passage is through the cross. Jesus, the God-man, was put to death on a cross. See, it wasn't ultimately the Jewish authorities or the Roman authorities that put him on that cross. It was God. And by his death, by his blood, God was making peace. See, our sin deserves punishment, but the punishment was sorted and dealt with on the cross by Jesus. He paid it so that we wouldn't have to. If you are not a Christian here this morning, God is calling to you. Do you know, you can know peace with God 
through Jesus, through accepting what he did on the cross for you. And it was for you. And you can know peace with God. Not just peace like how we call, we, we kind of can get on now, but actually relationship. Actually restored to God. To know God personally. I encourage you, be reconciled to him today. And then there's a sense that even in the cross, that's how he's restoring all creation as well. His future is wrapped up in the cross. We don't really get what that means, but we know that something awesome at the cross happens that affects even creation. So how do we apply all this that we've looked at this morning? It's mind-blowing, isn't it? He's God, he's creator, he's head of the church, he's reconciling all things. It's amazing, glorious truth. But we have a problem. We just don't believe it. We just don't. See, for many of us, we will believe it. Until the end of the meeting. We will believe it we get home on this afternoon. We'll believe it until Monday morning. We'll believe it until we hit that difficulty this week. We prefer to believe a lie. Jesus isn't in charge of all things we think. He's not interested in my life. He's not interested in my circumstances. We prefer to believe that. So what's the answer then to this? How do we how do we deal with this? Is it just just believe more, just have more faith? Come on. See the problem then is it comes down to me. It's about me. As long as I can muster up enough faith, believe a bit more, then the focus is less, even less on God and even more on me. Is it just thinking these truths until they come true? Just think and think and think and think. And eventually, they'll be true and I'll make them true. They're not true until I believe them enough. Come on. No, that's not right either. The answer is this. The good news of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his coming to live with you and I, that good news, that works. But not only does it work, it is enough for you and me. See, how did you receive Jesus? It's not a rhetorical question. You can answer if you want. How did you receive Jesus? By faith. Excellent. By faith. It was a gift. By faith as a gift. See, keep doing that. Keep lining your life up with that truth. Keep receiving that gift of life by faith. Line up your life with the truths of these passages. Keep receiving the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of Jesus, which reminds us who Jesus is, which burns these truths in our hearts. And then our lives begin to conform to these truths because we see who Jesus is and his love for us. So it's the Holy Spirit who reminds us of Jesus, that brings attention to Jesus in our lives. Keep receiving the Spirit. 
So when trouble comes, the spirit in me says, do you know, it's alright because I'm going to get these troubles in perspective. Because I see Jesus is in charge. Jesus loves me. Jesus is for me. And therefore I can trust in him. I want you to grab your communication cards. I don't want to leave some opportunity this morning to worship and respond to these passages. But if you could grab your communication cards this morning, they look like you. They look like this. You filled in side A, and there's an opportunity for you to fill in side B. Say, because of what I've heard this morning, my response is this. Or if you've got a comment, you can write it down there. But even more than filling in the cards, I want us to respond in worship to Jesus. I want these, the truths of this passage from Colossians to burn in our hearts as we worship and adore him, creator, sustainer, reconciler. And as we do that, I want, the, want us to receive the Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to remind us afresh, to, for us to encounter Jesus afresh this morning. So as the band lead us, I want you to play your part, to respond to Jesus in worship. Maybe you're not even a Christian this morning. I want you to I would encourage you urge you, why don't you respond to Jesus this morning? Make this song or these songs an opportunity to say, I want to know you. I'm choosing to put you first, Jesus. Let's stand and let's pray as we come and worship.